This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Middle of draft season. We're moving on. The offensive line, in fact, specifically the interior offensive line positions, guard and center. We talked about the offensive tackle positions on a recent show already. And uh, uh, included in that were some guys we think are probably moving to the inside. Uh, joining me tonight, Jason of Huddle Up Films. We're going to talk through the Offensive line prospects, try and put them in some kind of an order for you, and uh, you can make your own decisions, obviously, from from that. Jason, nice to have you here. How you doing? I'm doing really well, Ken. Thank you. Uh, tell people about your work, where they can find it. Sure. Pretty much I'm on YouTube and, uh, and on Twitter, and uh, I make a variety of videos, usually highlight videos, uh, film study breakdowns, just try to mix it up a little bit on the channel, and... Uh, I'm new to relatively new to social media. Um, haven't been on for a year quite quite yet, but uh, I've had a great time doing the videos and interacting with people. 
All right. Great stuff. He's very responsive on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow and uh, and you'll see why I'm sure by the end of this episode. So, Jason, interesting draft for for interior offensive linemen. I think as much as any position, uh, except maybe the defensive line, opt outs and lost seasons have cost us a lot of viewing of the prospects at the top who, who might otherwise be in the second, third, fourth round in other years, that there aren't a lot of these small school prospects. There's one big one of note. We're going to get to him, but there's not much else. It's very true. Uh, you know, I think that goes for all positions, but for the interior offensive line, especially, and uh, it's what makes the draft a little bit challenging this year, but also a little fun mm -hmm. because, you, you know, it, you can see the mocks are all over the place. Opinions on players are all over the place. So that's the ramifications that we're dealing with now. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. And I think uh, if I had to bet a couple bucks, I'd say this is a year where Eric DaCosta has an exceptional draft, given the Ravens acumen with small school scouting. And that was really his baby during the Aussie era, more than really anyone else I'm aware of. And uh, I think this is a good year for the Ravens to accumulate some later picks. They probably get some real value in the later rounds. Well, I agree. And, and that's something that every time I think I've seen DaCosta speak, he talks about relying on his area scouts, his, his connections, things like that. So without the combine, I mean, I'm a big fan of the combine just for the uh, just to see him lined up next to each other. And then just all the events themselves, the build up and the, the offseason lull. But, uh, you know, uh, being a Ravens fan, I am very confident. It makes you feel good that you have a true scout as a GM. Yeah, got some got some terrific. Uh, material that came out, particularly one um, tweet today that graphed the AFC North draft picks of the last decade. I think it may, may have been going back to 2010 or might have been 2011, but it was basically a decade's worth of draft picks. And the Browns have a number of very early round draft picks that are well below the line of expectation for AV in career, it's projected for more recent draft picks. While as the Ravens, their late round picks have really shined. Their early round picks have also been very good. And, and you realize just how lucky this franchise is. And, uh, and also, I think you probably develop a little more appreciation for the way the Ravens are patient on comp picks. I do. And this, this year especially, I think, is going to be a really good uh, year to trade back, accumulate picks because of the guessing game and that everyone's playing right now and because opinions are all over the place, there may be guys that the Ravens are looking at, and I'm sure this happens every year, but more so this year, that they like, they know they like them more than other teams, and they're going to be able to pick them off in the mid to late rounds. I'm on team, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm on team trade back. I, I just don't see uh, any of the players at the top fall into the Ravens. I think that they're well-known consensus. You see them everywhere. There are only about 10 of them. So I would love to see DaCosta trade back somewhere in that third round and pick up an extra pick and then maybe maybe manipulate the draft from there. And third and fourth rounds, I think, is where the real value is in this draft. Yeah, uh, there certainly is plenty of value there and at a lot of positions. In fact, I, I have a hard time filling the first round with the obvious players. And, and you, you mentioned after 10. Maybe it's 15, but, you know, I'm, I'm still hoping that a player like Christian Barmore, who probably goes in the top 15, might draft the Ravens at 27 somehow. Or that either of the top two corners, yeah, that's a real flyer, might drop to the Ravens uh, uh, 
that would be, that would be <laughs> honestly really pretty ridiculous if that happened. Uh, and then Trevon Merrig, I think, is a, is a little bit more of a chance that he drops to the Ravens at 27. I think if he does, the Ravens probably take him. Well, I agree with you. I heard you last year when you were talking about McKinney and mm-hmm. uh, the other safety. Uh, Delpit. Delpit, Grant Delpit. I would have loved to have either one of those two. And it's just, aside from being able to play dime, having two reliable starters, two reliable players at safety doesn't sit well with me when you, the secondary is the strength of your team. Right. You want to make sure you keep it that way. So, uh, yes, you we mean had, having only two reliable players. Because they lucked out last year to get through the whole season, have those two back-end guys I mean, hold ex- up. Extremely lucky. Yeah. I mean, if either one of those went down, I mean, they were reluctant to play Stone or even to have him on the roster. Mm-hmm. And then Levine is good at what he does, but not a full-time safety. So, so yes, um, you know, needs aside, there are some very good, very good players in this draft. I actually, the three corners that I like, if any one of them are there, you'd have to consider them as well as the guys you were speaking of there. Who's, who's your third guy? Newsom? No, I I, Horn and Sertain are your first two. And Farley. I mean, Farley. That's a great one. Top five, 10 pick, if not for the injury. And if any team can afford to be uh, patient in the secondary is with a cornerback, it's him. If he sits out five games or pup list, hey, it's worth it if he's that good. He's the best player available, but. Yeah, that's that's a real good point. The Ravens have a couple of positions, defensive line, corner, safety probably also falls into the same category. I think they'll need that backup safety at some point this year. It's more than more likely than not uh, where they can really afford to wait a year and have a a one year developmental prospect near the top of their draft where they really get a value player. Very true. And the offensive line, uh, something that we haven't talked about, but you look at the the need there, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens play this because number one, we don't really know what's going on with Tyree Phillips, how they feel about him, mm-hmm. where they see him. Is he a swing tackle or is he a guard? And then you have Ben Bredesen, Makari, you have Balloon Castillo, and I'm missing somebody, uh, uh, Ben Powers. Powers. Yep. Ben Powers. So you have four guys, basically, that you could fit into one spot because you'll have Bozeman and Zeitler starting. So how do the Ravens attack the, the inside offensive line? Or do they need somebody do they want to upgrade do they want to say hey we're comfortable with the guys that we have do we want to pick a developmental guy that we can stash so as as far as the inside offensive line it's one of the most intriguing positions of the draft yeah i'd be more in favor of taking a developmental offensive lineman but i think it's it probably at this point it's more important that they get a tackle Uh, we don't know what stanley's situation is uh, they may actually trade Brown on draft day if the tackle that they think will fit is available at the time of the trade. Right. So, you know, a, a realistic thing I think we, we would say is that if the Chiefs are on the clock at number 31, they may say, trade us Orlando Brown and we'll give you the pick at 31 and one, one other later. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll take our chances with Brown and, and we end up with a player like Leatherwood or Tevin Jenkins or somebody like that. Could definitely see it happening. So inside offensive line or the interior of the offensive line, you know, it's been a weak spot. The last three playoff losses, our offensive line overall has been outplayed. So it's a very delicate balance between, hey, we have two really good guys, Zeitler and Bozeman, that we believe in. We have these other uh, uh, four or five guys that we've invested time in that we kind of believe in. Do we want to replace them? Do we want to add someone, another average talent to the mix or do we want to go developmental 
So I, I'm fascinated by that part of the draft, and I really want to know what their plans are for, for Phillips. I would, I would love to know how they feel about him and where they see his future because that's going to determine their strategy there as well. That's, that's right at the heart of it. And obviously, they have to make a decision on Bozeman in terms of a long-term deal. I would have hoped this would got done this offseason, and it still might. But, but they have other players in years one and two that if you go in and draft up, either you draft a player who you're giving a starting job to, meaning the first couple of rounds, or they, or they go out and they get another guy in free agency and give him a job, they're really cutting a couple of guys out of jobs. You know, making them backups at this point when you know you're you're at those cheap labor years where boy, you wish you could harvest that value, and, the, and you the, wouldn't the, have to right. And the you know Phillips was a third round pick, Bredesen mm-hmm. a fourth, so it's draft capital too. It's not just uh, you know Macari was undrafted, but there's a lot uh, a lot of time and effort and resources spent into the guys that are already on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get right to the interior offensive line 10 minutes into the show. But we'll, right, get right, right. <laughs> we'll get right to the interior offensive line. Can't, can't help ourselves sometimes talking about the grand strategy. We'll do this in 1 to 10 fashion. Uh, so you start with your number one guy, and then I'll go and fill in if if uh, I have a different guy. Well, I haven't heard your tackle show, so I'm not sure if, if he appeared on this. But Elijah Vera Tucker, number one interior offensive lineman. Surefire first rounder, in my opinion. I don't think the Ravens are going to have a chance at him. He's just very steady, and he brings a lot of value. Um, the thing I liked about him is I got to see him play left guard in two, or last year when Austin Jackson was still on the team, and then you got to see him play left tackle this year, and there aren't a lot of uh, bad snaps out there for him. His athletic scores are off the chart. I mean, he gets knocked for his run blocking, and he's not a people mover, but he did 36 on the bench. Um, I mean, great number there, but uh, silky smooth at the second level, very consistent. His anchor's good enough. He's just an overall athlete. He moves like a tight end to me, Ken. Looks like yeah, a tight I, end. There's a lot to like. I, I, the, the short arms are the big drawback that are going to keep him playing tackle, uh, even though he played reasonably well there at USC last year. He did allow several sacks, and, and the sack total that you'll see in a PFF report is going to understate just how many sacks he really contributed to. But that's okay. He, he, he was out of position, clearly, playing with very short arms. The 36 reps on the bench, to me, is not as impressive as some other players because of the arm length concern, but it's still good. I mean, no, no doubt about it. It's a good number. Uh, just because a guy has 35-inch arms and he does 24 reps, most of the time I'm saying that's not terrible. But this 36 reps is still above that. But uh, it's, it's good. Um, what I you know, liked a lot about how... How he identified the correct guy to pick up on the blitz and how he is in the right position on stunts and plays like that. He, he does his handoff quickly and he gets back into position. And it's, it's, a, it's a smooth A to B transition. It's not a, um, uh, oh my God, no, and then get back to his position. Right. He, he seems to know what he's doing. No, he, he does a really good job of staying square to whoever's across from him. If he if he gets beat initially, it's it's, it's he's for a guy that's built well all the way around. He's not stiff at all. So um, yes, the short arms are going to hurt him on at left tackle. That's why I was glad to see a couple of games of him at left guard in 2019 because that's where that's where he's going to ultimately settle in. However, I do believe if you know if you needed him for a couple of games, he can handle his own uh, the left side without too many problems. Especially if you have a guy like Lamar where you know, is mobile enough. If you get a piece of the defender, Lamar can still make something happen off schedule. So, but yes, uh, number one interior offensive lineman. And I think he'll go probably before pick 20. 
Um, he's, he started slipping into the mid twenties. That's a guy the Ravens would maybe trade up for, but I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I I don't think it's absolutely impossible he drops to twenty seven. Call me, really? you know, okay. a, a, a fanatical about this, but it's not like the guy does not have other questions about him. And there are a lot of people who need interior offensive linemen, but I don't. I haven't heard it said that he's an obvious developmental center at this point. I'm not saying it can't happen, but you know he's already shown some positional versatility. That's good. Obviously, all the stunt handoffs and knowing where, who to pick up on the blitz. That's exactly a center's responsibility right. in the NFL. So there's reasons to believe it. There's the other thing to to, to believe is that the his arms are short even for a guard. And so if he were, he, I don't. I think he'd have a lot of trouble playing right guard in a, in a right-handed system where the three tech is going to face him a lot. So I have, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say I have 32 and an eighth for his, yeah, for his arms. Right. So it's, it's below average. There's no two ways around it. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you were mentioning the twist and stunts, that's, that's really where I saw him shine the communication and how easily he can move laterally. If somebody crosses his face, he's there blink of an eye and uh, that kind of athleticism, especially for the Ravens, if you're looking to move Bozeman to center and you want a left guard that can move uh, laterally up to the second level, this is your guy. Um, I don't think we necessarily need a people mover as much as we need a mover at, at that left guard position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on with your number two guy, and, and I'll chime in. That's Elijah Tucker, also my number one. Did you want to give your, your, your number two? Or? No, it's, it's your, okay. you're the guest. Please, you go first. Okay, thank you. Um, well, Landon Dickerson. It's Okay. It's going to be hard to keep this man down. Now, I've seen, I, I saw a draft uh, or a mock draft last night um, where he was in the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with when you talk about him, it's obviously all about his injuries. I have him at age 22. He's played five seasons, and four of them ended in injuries. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge risk. I mean, this is the ultimate risk reward prospect in the draft. I think um, if you get him and he's healthy it doesn't get much better as far as his physicality. He wants to finish people. He has a, a little bit of range, but he plays very under control within what you ask him to do. Technically sound. There's not a lot of lunging. He's got a really good pad level for a guy that's 6'6", 326. Mm-hmm. Um, his hands, almost 10 and a half inches. He gets a hold of you. That shows up on tape too. And he gets you in the vice grips. You're not going anywhere. And um, I saw some positive blocks on screen passes. I watched the Mississippi State game and the Missouri game. I mean, there's really, this This is a complete player and he can play center. Um, you saw his charisma doing cartwheels at the pro day, wanted to come support his teammates. Everything you hear about him is positive, 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 which uh, isn't a surprise. But when you keep hearing it over and over again um, from different sources, you tend to believe it. And uh, he's just a player that I like, I like a lot. It's a risk reward. If people take him off their board, I can understand that. If they want him as their number one interior offensive lineman and take him in the first round, I can understand that too. So, okay, I'm I do not have him as high, but he is one of six guards, and not everybody will have these guys as guards that I think will go in the second round. And so we're going to get to all of them in just a second. He's my number four guy. I think the injury history probably has to play a, a little bit of a stronger element there. He is obviously ridiculously oversized for the position. His length is a little bit lacking. It's similar uh, at 32 and a quarter inches to Vera Tucker. Uh, but the, it's the injury history that would hold him back. Uh, I think he'll be effective on any of the 
normal guard and center blocks that the Ravens ask. I don't think he's going to have a real big problem pulling. Uh, it's not the strongest thing in his game, but the Ravens' pulls are not real complex, and Bozeman, frankly, is just uh, not a outrageous athlete in terms of his ability to pull. If Landon Dickerson's asked to do some of those things, I think he could do it. Or, you know, it, another possibility is that Landon Dickerson ends up at center with those arms. It's not uh, not an impossibility. Um, I, I like his ability to hold the back end of a double team and finish it. Whereas, uh, you know, Matt Burke was exceptional at that. If you think back to some big blocks in Ravens history and you want to go back and look at one, look at the Ray Rice 83-yard touchdown run and look at the way Matt Burke finishes off Yonda's pin and turn on, uh, on uh, Vince Wilfork. Okay, and Vince yeah. Wilfork's having to explain it on the sideline. He's talking about this and, you know, the coaches are right in his ear and he's like, I don't want to discuss this any further. It's actually funny to watch. There are two great combination blocks on that play, but go back. It's a, it's a, it's a fun thing to watch. I'm not telling you, I'm really telling the people in the audience to do this. I know you probably watched it a hundred times, right? I have. And I knew the game you were talking about right away in, in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. That was a jump off the couch moment for sure. It was it was great. It was great. Uh, my number two guy I'll give you is Jackson Carmen out of Clemson because he's a he's a guy a lot of people have a tackle. I don't think he's going to stick there. Uh, again, it's arm length related, but there's a lot of people in the same category. Got that ideal size at six five three seventeen, except for thirty two and a half inch arms. That's not going to cut it as an NFL tackle. Uh, he plays very violently with his hands. When you have shorter arms against really long three techs that you might have to face or uh, other guards who just get to the body with one arm sometimes, you're going to have a lot of trouble unless you have those kind of violent hands that you play with. Uh, I think he'll have a bigger impact on the run game uh, and has terrific pad level, that pad level you really love. I can't tell you how much that pad level matters as the second block on a double team, or even the guys being left behind or the guy who goes to level two. If you go to the guy's ribs on that double team, terrific value. Now, always, low always wins. So it's always good. But low on the double teams, really underrated in terms of value. I love him for that. And he's a guy I'd really be thrilled if the Ravens could get a 58. I wouldn't be bad with it if they traded down to the middle of the second round to pick him up. Now, I had him a little lower on my list, but it's a, it's a hodgepodge. And not only are his hands violent, like you said, they're also very quick. His initial move off the snap is is ridiculously good. Excuse me. <clears throat> and he also, like Vera Tucker, has a really good sense of blitz pickup, combos. Um, even on screen passes, he gets out there, checks his guy quickly, makes sure it's done, gets out there. Uh, a really good player. I, we differ on the rankings, but there's, there's really not a lot to argue about. I, I did miss him on pro day, though. I would have would have loved to seen him get out there, but apparently he was nursing a back injury, a mysterious mm-hmm. type. You know, there's didn't miss any games, I don't believe, but uh, but he just wasn't healthy enough to to get out there and show out. Yeah, I'm not sure how to evaluate that, but I would agree. All the six guys I've got in round two, very close in a pack. If they all went within ten picks, it wouldn't shock me with a run on guard, say in the second round. I shuffled but, those back and forth a, a, a few times. Yes. Yeah, so. Who's your number three guy? My number three guy is Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. And Ken, uh, I wanted to ask you on the show, put you on the spot, but do you mm-hmm. remember a left-handed center in the league? Or is Creed going to be the uh, first? I can't imagine he'd no, be the I first No, I really one. don't know. 
I, yeah. I, 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 you know, it, it, it does matter for punch. Uh, you know, we've heard the stories of Marshall Yonda moving him from right guard to left guard because of his shoulder injury and needing right. to protect the inside. But I, but I don't really know left-handed, right-handed centers. Uh, and, and centers, it does matter because you would see it snapping the ball, but I really don't know. Yeah, it, it just got me thinking when I saw that. I'm, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. And I'm like, well, maybe Ken, maybe Ken would know that. You're concerned about rotation of the football because I know sometimes they bring in a left-footed punter. I tend, kick. I tend to overthink things. So yes, I, that was one of the things. And then, like you mentioned, Yonda was a good example. But yes, exactly where people are set up and how that affects them. But I tell you what, he's very well rounded uh, technically. Um, his his athletic score, he scored a ten, which mm-hmm. uh, I quite frankly I didn't see that on tape. I saw an above average athlete. But you're talking about a perfect, uh, you know, the highest relative athletic score in the you know in the draft. Um, very high floor. I think if you buy, if you're draft greed Humphrey, you're getting a player that's going to play for a long time. And uh, main issue is his length, as most of these guys. But two-year team captain, very high floor, guard flexibility, three-year starting center. Yeah, I, I, I think you want to make him your center and forget about it if you pick him because that really maximizes his value for his size. It's not like he'd be undersized for a guard, but he's not of a special size like he is for, at center at 6'4", 312. Uh, I, I first watched him when he was playing with Ben Powers, and uh, he had a little bit of trouble, and he was absolutely a mammoth prospect going to Oklahoma. It was one of their really big catches. But if I recall correctly, he was starting as a true freshman, and the other four were, I believe, all going to the NFL after that year. I might not be right, but but it would, but I believe it was all of them. Uh, maybe not. Maybe Brown or somebody was a year away. I'm trying to remember exactly the term. It, I guess Brown would have come the year before. Powers, right? I know Brown and Powers played next to each other. Or uh, Brown was the left. Powers the left left guard, yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah, you got me. Got me thinking. That's something I have to look up. All right. So we'll look at that Oklahoma offensive line. But one of the things I did notice was he had some footwork issues at that time, including a trip of Powers on a pull. Where you know I was I was really looking at it, and that's you know that's not a good thing. But Creed Humphrey was an unbelievable player, even as a freshman. Uh, I think he'd do exceptionally well again with the Ravens' double team system. Uh, I I think you could move him to guard if you had to. Uh, this is not a Ravens team I think that would have to sacrifice their center to get a guard. I think it's more likely to go the other direction that they right. need, to, need to move a guy from guard to center. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I like the guy. I, he's my number five guy overall. It's just, it's a very crowded and very deep field. Um, he is one of the guys I mentioned on the radio as a guy I would not want the Ravens reaching for at 27. I think that'd be a massive reach. If they get him at 58, I love it. If they even have to trade back and get him at around 50, I love that too. But I, 27 is too much of a reach. You know, and the guys we're speaking about now is one of the reasons that I, I am on team trade back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these guys, like you said, Creed Humphrey is would probably be a reach at 27, at least in my opinion. But at, at 40, 45, 50, you're going to be happy with that pick. It's plug and play center from day one. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm in agreement on that. Okay, let's let me move on to my number three guy, which is Ben Cleveland of Georgia. One of the biggest human beings you can imagine at 6'6", 354, 33 inch arms. So that meets the standard for a guard. Uh, still has very good mobility as timed by the Georgia Pro Day officials, I assume, at 485 on the 40. He's a finisher. 
Now, uh, this is something we had from a lot of players uh, that you see in their rookie years, at least. Orlando Brown, I remember him pushing a guy into the sidelines against Carolina. That was very fun. Drew a penalty. Uh, Michael Orr, when he first got on the football field for Baltimore, uh, he looked like he was headed for a Hall of Fame career at right tackle before he got his mind messed up around moving to left tackle and did, then couldn't do that well and couldn't do anything well after that. Uh, but, but anyway, Ben Cleveland really finishes blocks, loves to do it, and you like to have in a, in a, in a, for a team that's going to run the ball 45 to 50 times in some games, you want to have a guy who finishes blocks and makes everybody else not want to line up against him. I mean, he looks, he looks like Thor. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's just a tremendous athlete. There's no bad weight on him, 6'6", six, six, the 350s. And uh, what I really liked about him, too, which surprised me, aside from everything that you said that I agree with, is uh, how good he is in pass protection, how fluid he is with his hands, very consistent hand placement, his timing of his punch. Everything is just under control. I really like this prospect a lot, too. Um, I don't know if he would. Would you consider him a right guard only? No. It, Okay. No, I, I really wouldn't. I, I think you, you could start either place. Uh, if he does end up at right guard, and that may be a natural place where he'd go after Zeitler is gone, then you can set your system up there, but you, you leave him at left guard, you let him pull. I mean, the athletic scores are off the charts. He can do it at his kind of mobility. If, if I mean, if he can't do it at a 485, 40, uh, I don't know who can. He's got sure. to l- learn to pull out. He's got to be quick off that snap. But the Ravens have been, done a very good job with getting their centers to have better footwork in the post-Flynn era. Okay. They, 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 really, they had a lot of problems with it back in that era. Bowler got tripped up a lot. It's hard to really say whether it's Bowler or Anthony Wright, but it was really both of them getting tripped up. Uh, Kedrick Vincent was also on the team at the same time, and there's one famous play where both the center and the right guard both stepped on Anthony Wright's foot on the same play, one foot each. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> it's uh, it's tough to make a pass like that. Yes, it was. <laughs> he went down pretty quick. So uh, a- anyway, I'd, I'd be excited about getting him. Some of the things you hear about Cleveland, too, about the polish in, in L2, I'm not really concerned about that with the Ravens coaching. That's the kind of thing they fix. They get people okay. to keep on their feet. And a guy like him who wants to finish blocks, the key for him is just going to be you, you just be a positional blocker. Get up there, keep your feet. There's not anyone who can get by you if you can get your hands on him and you can keep your feet. If you lunge at him, that's you giving him a chance. Yeah, he's an enormous human, technically sound. I do think his feet are a little slow, methodical, but um, it's hard to complain with. I mean, if we, he would be a great fit, too. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right. You'd be happy if if the Ravens shockingly moved him and got him up at got him at twenty seven. How upset would you be? Pretty upset. 
Okay. Because I, I mean, not 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 to say it like that, but there there are other options. I mean, the guys we talked about already. I mean, if are they all gone to twenty seven? Uh, I definitely don't want someone ranked in the middle of my or you know a fifth ranked uh, offensive lineman. Uh, inside. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah. but you still got them in the second round anyway. I assume, right? Because well, I have five guys in the second round. Maybe you got them in the third. I don't know. Give me your number four guy then. Well, my number four guy was is Quinn Miners. Uh, okay. This is where, you know, he's 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 a, a, just a phenomenal and phenomenally interesting player. Probably the most intriguing guy in the draft. And uh, you talk about his Senior Bowl standout. There's just not a lot of tape. At least I don't have access to it. Going to University of Wisconsin, only Whitewater. Played a handful of games in three years. I I don't know what what use it would do to watch games from when he was eighteen. At this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, but watching him at the Senior Bowl, which, of course, the Ravens put a lot of stock into, I mean, he just stepped in there and then, you know, dominated. He didn't just hold his own. He dominated a, a good amount of snaps. And then uh, the most shocking thing to me is, is, is how he tested. I mean, he's known for his belly hanging out. He's on morning, you know, you see him training in Canada, blocking trees. And he comes out here, 32 vert, 33 bench. He's running a sub 540. I mean, the guy, and he has 33-inch arms, which is plenty good enough, <clears throat> excuse me, good size. So um, very intriguing prospect, and I can't put him a- ahead of uh, of the Blue Bloods at the top, but it would be very exciting to have him. You, know, you yeah, have a it, lot to work with. It, it, it would be fun, that's for sure. It, the interesting thing about Miners is he's pretty much the only small school highly touted small school draft pick at any position. And, mm-hmm. and when I say that, I'm not talking about like somebody out of the Mac, which is, you know, that's a mid-level conference or, or the, or the Western athletic conference or uh, conference USA, not talking about, you know, Milton Williams kind of thing. That's not really a small school at all. Uh, I'm talking about grand Valley state, Ferris state, you know, those, those kind of places, you know, he, at Wisconsin whitewater is, it's it's the school that stands out among all the names that are on the top of any draft board this year because people have Power Five tape to watch. Those guys completed their season. These small conferences all all called it off for good reason. And uh, Miners is just that that really rare breed of cat who broke through that and still got a chance at the Senior Bowl. He is, and I felt uh, bad because I'm looking. They're saying ultra successful Division three. Program six national titles, four runners up, and I'd never heard of them. So <laughs> it's, it's like, wait, wait a minute, what am I watching here? But uh, but yes, I, I, it's hard not to like miners, and you know, you figure he has a lot of room to grow being at a school like that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's already at the level that he showed at the Senior Bowl and his athletic numbers, um, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree in terms, especially in terms of room to grow, because some I guess they're watching tape from his freshman year. Because that's all that they but they're watching tape from from a, a while back now. If you complain about his agility and and you know, well, it's just not the best feed of all. It's not consistent with the testing. So probably there are some learned components there that weren't coached very well at Wisconsin Whitewater. It's 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 possible that hearing that they have all these national championships, that's a good thing. But watching other places like East Mississippi play on last last chance you, you know, you can still get some pretty crappy coaches beyond the head coach at schools like that. It's very true. 
Very true. Yeah. All right. So let's see. That was your I have him number seven on my list. Still like him, but he's the last guy in the second round for me. So my next guy already went to Creed Humphrey was my number five guy. So let's go to your number six guy. Right. And this is the guy that gets my green star, gold star, red star. This is uh, uh, my guy, I guess. And that's Kendrick Green from Illinois. And what I like about Kendrick Green, um, well, first of all, the, the game against Northwestern is where I kind of fell in love with him. I counted four pancakes. He had one on the first play. And for a guy, when you look at his size, he's 6'2", 305, 32 and, and a quarter arms. Um, you know, this is why I consider him a my guy, because athletically, he does not look imposing. And he's going to slide down a lot of people's boards. I, I'm, I bet you I have him higher than a lot of people. But uh, he has experience at center. He played four games there. Yep. 33 consecutive starts. Um, very quick, very mobile. He's got that wrestling background as a former wrestler. I, I love that because I understand the body control and the balance that it takes to exceed at that kind of level. And an easy sealer in this run game, I, you know, which is so important. If you're talking about just walling off the blocking lane, mm-hmm. you don't have to be overpowering. He gets there. He can turn his hips like he... Uh, like he's spinning around a, a street sign. It's just very, very natural to him. And uh, that's that's my red star, gold star guy. I admit I'm higher on him than probably the rest of the drafting community is. Okay. The, the 32 and a quarter inch arms bother me just a little bit because his ability to get that torque you're talking about on a defensive tackle and spin him is a lot on lockout with length. And so you, the way you defeat that a couple of different ways, violent hands is one way you get, get the first contact on the guy and get him to not be turning his body normally. And, and he is the player at the NFL level who may have some problems with that. Still the number nine guy on my list. I think he goes in the third round and I think he meets the Ravens needs very distinctly in terms of being able to uh, pull effectively with his kind of quickness. You know, he's up there. Think Justin Matabike. That's about how quick this guy is. I think Justin Matabike was 483. He's 489 in the 40. So right. not a lot of difference there. And and uh, that's a player who who certainly there's a lot to like. Um, one thing that's brought up quick, uh, fairly often in scouting reports is is some lunging in space. I don't like lunging, but it's but it's not a big part of the Ravens screen game. And the Ravens, in terms of their pullers, generally are able to fix it. And there's a couple reasons. If you pull from left guard in the Ravens system, oftentimes you have to make a very easy block in the backfield um, on that edge player. So sometimes they leave him and sometimes they block him. If they block him, it's actually a pretty, pretty easy block. Your steps have to be good, but, but there, it is a pretty easy block. If you go to level two, you know, then the, the Ravens coaching kicks in and they're pretty good about getting people to keep their feet, use their length well. And 32 and a quarter inch arms aren't a problem at all when you're up against linebackers and safeties. They're a problem going up against defensive linemen. Yes, and when I imagine them in this scheme, it's it's left guard all day. Yep. When you're talking about getting there to block that defensive end, he's going to get there quicker than Bozeman, Bozeman does now. So if Bozeman can do it, he can do it. And and he might give you an extra half yard to work with the back, an extra half yard to work with if he's needed, if things get pushed back in the middle. So Kendrick Green is admittedly a my guy. He moves very, very well, super quick. And they like said the four pancakes, you go back and watch that Northwestern game. I mean, he's matched up against some bigger guys and he's holding his own. So I, I believe in him. I believe he could get stronger and, and be a complete player. All right. So he's your number six guy, right? 
My, my number six guy moving to the inside, Brady Christensen from BYU. A lot of people think he might stick at center, and I don't. I don't think it's even remotely possible, frankly. Uh, he's a guy I have, I have moving inside with arms at 32 and a quarter also, despite the fact that he's 6'6". He had exceptional testing all across the board, so there's a high ceiling, I think, there in terms of uh, what he can do. There's still a little bit of... Um, coaching that's going to have to go on. I don't think he's necessarily going to be an immediate high-level starter, but the people who want to plug him in at center, uh, I think they have probably the right guy eventually. He is already 23 years old, so you've got a little bit of an age concern relative to some of the other uh, non-redshirt juniors that are coming out now. And I do like this player. He, he actually isn't on my list uh, mainly because of the age. I think he's mm-hmm. he seems like he's topped out. Um, where some of these guys, and we spoke about earlier about the situation the Ravens have uh, with the players already on their roster. To me, he's, I, I, I don't know. I think what you see is what you get. But uh, there is a lot to like about that player, for sure. Okay. All right. So I believe we've taken care of our top six. Who's your number seven guy? Because mine is minors. Okay. Yeah, I have, this is where I have Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Okay. He he's a blue chipper and has uh he's actually Willie Davis's grandson for those who are familiar with uh Willie Davis from the Packers. Um but he's a, a guy who is built well, he looks the part, he plays the part, uh not the most mobile guy, but he looks for an early advantage and he's very strong and aggressive. And he has that uh if there is such a thing as production from the offensive line, he's a two time All American and uh his aggressive nature is a lot of fun to watch. He was injured in the national championship game, so we don't have true testing numbers on him. Right, but uh, he's a guy I'd be take, I'd be comfortable taking in that third round, like you're, like the cluster of these guys we have here. It's it's a it's an interesting choice, and I have him as number eight on my list, one behind Miners. So I I think the third round is probably the place he he starts to become a value. Whoever takes him, they're probably going to have to deal with the fact that he might not be available or might not be good in 2021. So they're going to have to deal with the fact that he's really he, they're only going to get three years on that rookie contract. A lot of teams don't like that, so they 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 just don't want to take the chance on an injured in, injured player. I think the Ravens might because of their particular situation and their need coming up after this year if say Bozeman were to walk for example um, and and that would make a lot of sense for them to have a player like that uh, I some things he does technically tell me he might need a year of coaching anyway I, I don't really see him as a great technician I know he's given an, uh, an all-american uh, stance I think he keeps his feet pretty well but I don't really love a lot of other things uh, technically about him. Not great at picking up blitzes every time. Uh, not great uh, necessarily about handing off on stunts. And that's it's, it's okay at the college level. A lot of that's probably correctable. I just think there's multiple reasons why 2021 may not be a year where he's pl- starting at guard in the NFL. And the other negative that I had on him was he's not the quickest. Not the quickest lineman. I think if you cross, cross his face, and maybe that has to do with uh, recognition, mm-hmm. but uh, the blitzes and, and the twists and stunts and things like that, that's uh, not his strong suit. But being a, uh, a more physical, bigger, badder dude than the guy in front of him, he's, he's got that in his, in his, uh, in his yeah. favor. Now, we talked about this a lot on the cornerback show, and I hear you kind of referring to it. So I just thought we'd, we'd, we'd go over this quickly. But, you know, 
when you talk about how you mirror an opponent, and this is true of offensive line, it's also true at cornerback, um, you know, some of that and some of how you get to the right place at the right time is reading the opponent's leverage, which I think it's, it's actually uh, it breaks down into a couple components. One is that you know from the tells that the opponent gives you. And some of that is probably coachable. What I think is less coachable is processing speed, which is what I think you're really talking that, about there is how quickly does he do, do his eyes recognize what's happened and turn that into useful action. And think Muhammad Ali here and how quickly he'd be able to dodge out of the punches of pretty much anybody who was up against him you know, before the suspension. Uh, watch that Sonny Liston fight if you need to. Um, it's just unbelievable at avoiding punches. That's what I'm talking about when I'm when I'm talking about an athlete who has incredible processing speed. Uh, Lamar has it in terms of reading leverage as well, uh, in order to really force the other guy to miss, slow the game down in his own mind, and then take the action at exactly the right point, which is counter to that opponent. Uh, and that is, that it, it's a question uh, in, in Davis's case of whether or not he has that elite processing speed when you see some of the things happen on, uh, on stunts, twists, twists, and blitz pickups. Yes, and that, the second move is the most important. When you're talking about Lamar, it's not just how quick he is. It's mm-hmm. the fact that he can see what the other guy's doing, let him commit, and then counter. With Davis, he's not the second man because he's setting them up. He's the second man because it, it looks like he sees it a little, uh, a little late. And uh, actually, there's another prospect coming up that I have the same, same uh, questions about. All right. So let's see. We're down to one, two, three. I think it's your number nine guy we're on right now. Yeah, I had uh, Carmen there, but uh, the next guy on my list is Aaron Banks in Notre Dame. Okay, I had I had uh, Kendrick Green at number nine, so let's talk Aaron Banks. Okay, hey, I would rank him a little bit higher if not for Zeitler being on the team because I do see him as a really good fit for right guard. When you're talking about his size, his length, he plays to his size. He's got good control and balance. He's just very heavy-footed, limited in space. Um, I think he's going to make a fine right guard for some team, but uh, with the Ravens situation, unless they're willing to move Zeitler to left guard, uh, I don't see a, a place for him as long as as long as Zeitler's on the team. And the other the other thing that I liked about this player is he was the easiest evaluation that I had by far out of all these guys. I think if uh, with Aaron Banks, if you look at ten to fifteen snaps from any game, that's pretty much what you're getting. He's a very consistent, consistently good player who took over for uh, Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame. Great, great point there, because when you watch guard tape in particular, that's what you want. You, offensive line in general, but any interior offensive lineman, I'll expand that. You want boring play. You want a guy that just positionally gets himself in the right place. When you see pass reps, you don't want to see him get backed up too much. But if he does, at least you want to see him keep the body between that. You want to see uh, footwork that's decent. But it's a relatively small set of times that guards get beat. So you want to see a whole lot of boring, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of playing poker. Uh, what they say about uh, playing no limit hold'em is it's hours of boredom and, and moments of terror. And that's, that's what it really is. You go all in and you, you know, everything's on the line all of a sudden and you're down to a couple of cards, but, but uh, that's, that's kind of like what it is in, in guard. When you get beat, you get beat for a, a very high value event. It's it's very true. Yes, Aaron Banks has some very good boring tape. He said, it, I would tell somebody, hey, all you need to do is watch 10, 15 snaps. That's what he looked like for, I want to say, two plus games that I saw him. 
All right. So my number nine guy was was Kendrick Green. So who's your number ten guy? Okay, let's see who's next on the list here. Um, this is a this is a tough guy, and this is um who I was talking about with I don't see his recognition skills is what's holding him down. And that's uh Trey Smith mm-hmm. from Tennessee. Now he has the blood clots in his lung issue, which is obviously very serious, but it looks like that they've gotten that straightened out. But uh that might scare some teams off. But uh, he's very heavy-handed, has good length, great length, actually. He's almost 34-inch arms. He plays with a mean mean streak. There's a lot of pushing and uh, shoving that after the snap. Um, my negatives on him was his body control. is kind of all over the place. I saw him whiff on a couple of blocks. And uh, with him not being the swiftest of athletes, if he is a, I believe he's a senior, yeah, so you've, you've got somebody with a lot of experience who's still as a senior I see that the game looks like it moves a little too fast for him at times. And, yeah, that, would... and that, that comes back to the issue of processing speed versus, versus uh, what they can teach him about tells. There's, it, it's, he's a raw prospect. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to still figure out about him. And maybe that's bad that, that he's still at this point in having it. Um, I, I think he's, he's the one who's had other medical concerns year to year other than the clots. Like he really hasn't, uh, you know, probably had the time to take an off-season coaching um, uh, program at some point. Uh, to me, the, the the guard size there is just perfect. His right. metrics are off the charts. Uh, you know, if the Ravens could somehow sneak in, get him low, it's another guy you'd really love to have. The Ravens are more likely to go, though, I think, in the other direction and find a guy that nobody likes because of their metrics, and they end up getting him in the sixth round, and the Ravens turn him into a decent lineman. And just uh, to add to your point, um, or to my point earlier, uh, both of our points, he was uh, all freshman SEC. So this is a guy that's played for four, you know, four seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, it makes me think that he's topped out. And it makes me think, well, hey, if he's seen all this football and I'm not seeing the recognition skills that I want, what's the chances it's going to get better at the NFL level? Um, so although he looks like first guy off the bus type guard, I just, I would, I, I have him down there for that reason. I still think he's a, a third, fourth round pick. Yeah. I, you know, and he, he might even go higher. A team might want a guard with his size and fall in love with the measurables. I mean, I, I think it's more likely in a year like this that he'll go in the third round. And that's where I think he probably ends up going, maybe the fourth. But but the the with so few small school prospects and so few total prospects uh, that have gradable tape for 2020 in particular, I think it really increases the chance that he, he goes earlier. And I mean, if you look at the defensive line in this draft huge number of opt-outs fair number on the on the offensive side of the ball as well of course um not and that's not the guys who lost the season because their conference didn't play it's it's the opt-outs um and it's just if teams have some programmatic ways to evaluate talent that said we're going to put a 9.3 grade on this guy but every guy who opted out we're going to drop by 0.3 because we didn't like that component about it, or we don't want that risk. The Ravens are going to eat that up in terms of what they know and, and how they can judge better than other teams' programmatic formula for assigning negative grades to the opt-out. I love it. and I mean, it starts all the way at the top with, with Panay Sewell. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an the opt-out. Rousseau, another player I want mm-hmm. to like, I want to like, but, you know, it's when you don't get to see him play football, and you, it's, it's, just, it's just tough. But, yes. 
it does set up well for the Ravens who are, are true scouts and their GM, Eric DaCosta is a scout at heart. So, um, you know, it's where you rely on them. You would think, Hey, if it's a fight with one hand tied behind our backs, the Ravens are going to do pretty well in the scouting. All right. How about a couple of guys that we didn't talk about in our top tens and Trey Smith is also number 10 for me that you maybe you think are worth a consideration and not the full scouting report, but sure. just a, yeah. Just real fast. Cause I know we're running out of time. The, the two guys that I have left off, one is a mountain of a man, Deontay Brown. He's 350 pounds and plays to that size. So it's, it's a compliment. Like what you see is what you get from him. He's not going to move around. But when you say, oh, he, he's good to run blocking or he can move people around, no, Deontay Brown can move, will move NFL players around. So uh, athletically limited, but uh, a player that you can't deny. If you're in a run-heavy scheme, he's going to make somebody ha- happy, especially if you're not running a lot of zone. And then the second guy is Dave Moore from Grambling State, a guy I really like. He plays quicker than what his athletic scores indicate. Um, there's a lot to work with with him coming from Grambling but he's another powerful player, plays with a mean streak. You would love his punch. Uh, he had some work as a center at the Senior Bowl, and his mistakes seem coachable to me. So two completely different players there, Brown, and oh, what you see is what you get. And Dave Moore is a developmental player where I could see us drafting him, stashing him, and seeing what we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I guess that possibility will exist again this year. Uh, Deontay Brown, in terms of... Some elements reminds me a little bit of Michael Oweno from last year. And, you know, the really, the angst it gave me to see Bredesen drafted at 143 and him go at 182 to the yeah. Patriots of all teams. Right. You know, it, 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 the only way it would have been worse is if he'd gone to the Steelers for that kind of a relative value. Okay. Now, I, I don't think there's that sort of, a, you know, that, that Deontay Brown belongs in the third round necessarily, but he's a guy I would love to see as a day three pick for the Ravens. I think he'd be a great choice. So uh, that'd be an exciting one. Let me get to my other two guys, because I think one of them has been a guy who's been kicked pretty hard down the boards uh, of a lot of teams. And I think he does deserve some of that. But Jalen Mayfield of Michigan is a guy I think is, he's not going to stick a tackle. So he's going to have to move to guard. That takes away a lot of his value. All of a sudden, a lot of the things that he does well are not as no longer as important on the inside. And I think he probably deserves to go still top of the fourth round, maybe, maybe late in the third round, if you're being real generous, but, uh, but I, I don't think he's gone before then. And I don't think people will, um, uh, will, will assume that he can play tackle at the NFL level. So he might be a guy that the they, Ravens could derive value from. Certainly if he falls any more than that, I'd be all over the, the, him as a value pick. Uh, Robert Hainsey of Notre Dame, another guy, uh, kicking in from tackle to play guard. I think almost certainly in the NFL, both, both of the, the, uh, Notre Dame, tackles had very short arms i had eichenberg as staying at the position but uh hainsey i think moves inside and plays guard as as a pro if the ravens took a chance on him the fourth round the fifth round i think that would be okay i'm not thrilled with the pick i think i think there are other better guys but you got to start looking at who's left over at that point point. and without giving a scouting report I, there's one more name that i would have really liked to talk about and that's jalen moore from uh, mm-hmm. western michigan he's a college tackle left tackle i think and uh, he got some work inside at the Senior Bowl and a guy that's really fun to watch, another one of those developmental. So I got two Moores, Dave Moore, Jalen Moore, as my developmental sneaker uh, sleeper picks. Well, I guess mid-round can't be, or early day three wouldn't be a sleeper, but uh, 
guys that are less known that I think would fit really well in the, with the Ravens. All right. Some one fun thing to do, guys, make sure you check in after day two of the draft, maybe after day one, day two, both, and try and see who Jason is projecting for the next day value picks for the Ravens, because that's always a lot of fun. I, I encourage everybody to try and do that, to look at your own board and really say, who would you be real happy with if the Ravens got in any of the picks that they had today? Uh, and and maybe you feel a little bit better about the draft. Last year for me, it was Geno Stone, and the Ravens ended up getting in the seventh round. And in 2018, it was Deshaun Elliott that I was really excited about getting uh, when it happened in the sixth round. But uh, you know, some good some good names come off uh, still on day three that that have high ceilings and uh, a lot of uh, opportunity for the Ravens draft acumen to show through. And what I would suggest to the fans out there is that just like last year and just like uh, many times, actually, do not, if the Ravens pick someone with their first or second pick, do not automatically just throw the rest of the players that you have there way down the board. They will double up. They doubled up on linebacker last year. Um, Harrison was actually, I'm a huge Harrison fan, but he was actually sitting alone there at the board. Uh, when we picked them, I was extremely happy. And same thing with Mark Andrews after the Hayden Hurst pick. Mm-hmm. I moved him a little bit, but I couldn't move him that far down because he was just that good of a player. So when you're resetting your board, think about the Ed Dixon, Dennis Pitta. The Ravens will double up at a position. So just because we draft a, a edge rusher, say, or a wide receiver uh, in the first round doesn't mean that you just want to throw the other ones back. You will adjust accordingly, but... Uh, but yes, it's my favorite time of year, Ken. Aside from Sundays, uh, I love getting to know these guys and then watching them, uh, you know, their true stories, true Hollywood stories play out in the NFL. And, you know, when you're playing another team, hey, I remember that guy, this, that, uh, you know, I know he's a strong guy. Okay, we got this guy. So um, just a lot of fun talking with you. I'm glad to be here. And um, it's, it's, it's long overdue. I feel like everybody's ready for the draft at this point. We could draft tomorrow. Uh, always a pleasure, Jason, to have you on the show. And uh, in particular, when we're talking about the football new year, uh, I want to talk to other folks there. Make sure you go out. We've had a number of draft shows previewing, I think, nine different positions now. Uh, they're all out there. The guests have been outstanding. So uh, take a listen and uh, and see what's there. There's another good uh, draft valuation chart show from at PFF Brad, who talks about the Fitzgerald uh, Spielberger methodology, which creates a much flatter set of valuations. It's based on a second contract. Uh, he's got some very interesting thoughts. The, the results of that are perhaps a little bit counterintuitive, and you may feel that way, but don't discount what he's saying otherwise with using that information and, and, and take a look at it. Uh, and anyway, I, I really have had a lot of fun in, in uh, draft season. Jason, thanks again for coming on. And I, I would just wanted to thank you. And yes, uh, you know, I have a small community of, of friends that I associate with on Twitter and YouTube. And uh, one of the things that motivated me to get out onto Twitter was, hey, I can talk to people like Ken and, and other really football fanatics that uh, love it as much as I do. So I, I appreciate everything and I'm uh, very appreciative to be on the show. All right. Loved having you, Jason. And we'll talk to you next time on right. Film Study. Thank you, Ken. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. 
like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.